Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, niggas and crackers, guys, gals, and, and non-binary, non-binary pals, hot girls and city boys, saints and ain'ts, and, and all our Harlem family, family. Welcome, welcome to your very own podcast. in the building virtually it's rona season welcome to uh, another a special special edition of harlem's very own our first virtual recording as always i am your co-host justin k winley aka jason born again aka charlemagne but with manners aka the slim reaper aka the lean mean cocoa bean joined by Yo, what's up? It's your other co-host, Jude Ali Stephens Wilson, aka Simba Stefanucci, aka Clark Gable, aka Frankly My Dear, I Don't Give a Damn. AKA, <laughs> where is my super suit? You better tell me where my suit is, woman. We are talking about the great or the good. good. And AKA Ali Soprano. What's poppin'? <laughs> Beautiful. I that's that feels so good to do again. And we have a few guests with us today. <laughs> We're gonna start ladies first. We have Kiara. Ladies first. Ladies first. I'm Kiara Jones, aka Piranha Temple, aka Harlem Hot Girl, aka Little Miss Quarantine, aka Unemployed. I need a job. <laughs> I fuck with the quarantine. And following up with uh, the maestro of mess himself, oh. <laughs> Mister. Oh, wow. Oh, he's good. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Amaz Simmons. Amaz Kevin Simmons, aka Black Zeus, aka the ASAP Rocky himself, ASAP Aki. We're gonna modify that, and then we're gonna <laughs> the Afro Samurai in the building. It's all love. It's all love. And finally, we have a friend of the show returning. What? I hope she can. <laughs> she can talk. Good. I'm a friend. I'm officially a friend of the show. It is the Queen of quarantine the original wheezy pass me my inhaler because i got asthma mocha contest the afro latina princess spell my name right it's in my email signature it's a braille what's up happy to be here i'm so excited to have everyone here uh thank you those of you who uh obviously you know who listen um it has been a journey trying to get the show back up and running you know with everything that's happened but uh, i think we have a nice formula for it now um so the guests that we have today kiara and ahmad are both recent graduates um i've known them both for a pretty long time kiara i've known since sunday school (laughs) we go way back and uh, ahmad i went to high school with um so we just wanted to kind of bring on some recent graduates both from harlem to talk about you know, life right now, what it was like to kind of have their final semester interrupted, um, what their career goals were when they started college and how they've changed, not only over the course of university, but also in the in the light of everything we're doing. Abril um, is in the workforce herself. She's not that much older than we are. Um, so we just she wanted graduated to have five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to have a nice and easy um, conversation about um, life. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna open it up. Whoever wants to start, I'm eating my sour worms. Um, 
Ahmad and Kiara, y'all work it out between yourselves. Always snacking. Always snacking. Right. Go, 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 go okay. ahead. Go ahead, Kiara. Go ahead. Well, um, so I went to Temple University. I was in journalism. Oh, shit. Right? My sister went to Temple. Really? Yeah, yeah. My sister. I'm sorry to interrupt you off the jump, but like, <laughs> <laughs> my sister, um, shout out to LaShawn. Uh, my sister is working at HBO now. And what? she was. Yeah, and that's where she met her husband, their temple wedding. That's fire. And she's an wow. AKA um, yes. sorority girl. She's living the life I want to live. <laughs> no, I'll talk, I'll talk to her for you. Please do. Please do. Got but, you, sis. Um, yeah, that's also really interesting that you bring that up because this whole entire thing, the Rona, the virus, you know, COVID-19, as the professional people say, it kind of really interrupted my whole entire flow at school. But when I first started Temple's, a really big adjustment because everyone thinks that Temple's an HBCU and it's not. Mm. So I went in there, like, I'm gonna see a bunch of black people. That was not the case at all. Mm. All the majority of my classes, freshman year, were full of white people. I was one of two black girls in a lot of my classes, which was kind of like similar from high school because I went to Beacon. Mm. So, That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So <laughs> Remember Beacon, bro? <laughs> Wait, y'all got beef with Ethan? No, we, no, we, we not we necessarily. Just, we just hear some stuff. We just heard some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I heard we, we were only a few blocks away from each other, so that's <laughs> we, very true. Before we moved, we got an upgrade. Right. Oh, okay. Upgrade, yeah. Throwing a little bit of dirt, but I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just such a strange experience because I don't think people can prepare you as much as they want to for college going away to school but it's like until you get there you really don't know what to expect or what you're going to encounter like you're forced to grow up in such a short period of time because your parents aren't really there to stop you from doing something like they'll be like don't go left and it's like they really will stop you but when you're away at school it's like you have to make that decision for yourself Mm, and I think that the adjustment at first was just trying to find friends that were real Mm-hmm. And finding people who like you can depend on because like they become your family. And I'm glad I was fortunate enough to have that. So, yeah. When in, in school, did you feel like you were able to fully take responsibility of yourself? Like what was an initial situation? You were like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult adult now in school. Mm. Well, I did not know how to do laundry before <laughs> I went to school. So that was That's experience. a reality check. <laughs> I still got my shit done. I still got the Chinese lady on the block doing my shit. You know, so I was like, um, I don't know what to do. I'm very uncomfortable. I don't want to mess up my clothes. That's funny. And, you know, I called my mom. She said, girl, figure it out. I said, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> And that was really difficult. Also, like things close early. So sometimes I went I had sleep for dinner. So that was like the reality of right. things. Too. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk a little bit about um if you if you care to, your mm-hmm. um your decision to pursue journalism specifically and what drew you to that. I mean, my dad, I should also say, because <laughs> he won't let me forget <laughs> it if I don't. He also went to Temple. Yeah. Um he's a proud oh, you know, too. Yeah, he he used to have uh, the little owl like plaque somewhere, a little you know sticker somewhere in the house. Um, so yeah, he he definitely. Um, I remember when you found out you got in and you were going. He was he was over the moon. He was like, yes, <laughs> he loves everyone who goes to Temple. So yeah, what what drew you to um, journalism? Well, I love to write. 
that was something that I really wanted. And I knew that I wanted to, I want to be a broadcast journalist. So I was like, I know that I want to use that platform to be like on media, to be on TV. And I was trying to figure out how can I use this to help other people, especially growing up in Harlem. I see a lot of people who can't really advocate for themselves. So I said, that's mm-hmm. something that I want to do. So I was like, I really enjoy doing this. This is like something that I can major in. So let me do it. Right. What's a source that inspired you to become a journalist? Like, what's like a, a news outlet that you that you get your news from, and you're like, I want to do this kind of reporting. Yeah. yeah. Aside from Twitter, definitely like <laughs> uh, Essence. In high school, you have to read the New York Times all the time. Um, mm. Basically, anything. I really love Exo Nicole. It's not. I wouldn't really call them like a like a. I guess. I don't say that they're not professional, but like uh, on the level of the New York Times, but something like that, mm-hmm. where I really feel like the voice for Black women and women of color okay. everywhere. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it's. Yeah. 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 Okay. Beautiful. We're gonna circle back. Thank you for that little introduction, <laughs> um, Ahmad, sir. Now yeah. you took a different path, obviously, but you continued. Um, you know the the route you'd started in high school. Uh, for those who don't know, Ahmad was a vocal major. Uh, at LaGuardia High School. We were in the same class of 16, one of the best classes in LaGuardia history. Um, (laughs) What's that, dude? He was serenading the shorties? Yeah, he definitely was. Um, There was actually one performance. I remember... I I remember... um, What was it? It was the one of the BSU uh, uh, productions, and they had you... Yeah, Black Cabaret, and they had a mod oiled up in like a torn up story in an expansive um <laughs> looking like sexy t'challa oh so, shit. so so this was so this was during this was during rehearsals right and samel came to me when we were rehearsing and she said well uh-huh. in this in this skit where we're, we're, we're gonna need you what well, we're asking you can you have your shirt off in it, you know, since like you know, we, we, no, you, you were right the first warrior. time. We gonna need you to have that shirt off, bro. <laughs> they say, you know, you're an African warrior, so we're like, you know, if it's possible. And I was like, literally, my first time taking my shirt off from in front of everybody, so I was like, uh, okay, so I, mm. I took the shirt off and I felt. 10 pairs of eyes just i felt them on <laughs> how old were you i mean this this, this was senior year this oh was senior shit year. yeah so i was 18 and and they and you know everybody was hyped they had to catch me with 18 huh listen listen man that they had to that, wait <laughs> that's just the universe right there okay because i told them i i said it as a joke and i said listen don't make me bring baby oil on the day of the cabaret and they said, you're not going to do it. So I brought the shit. And <laughs> <laughs> I put it on the table and I said, who going to oil me and Deron up? Because Deron was there as well. So everybody was like, man, I'm going to do it. Kimmy was first in line. She said, I'm doing it. Oh, of course she was. <laughs> she said. I know she was right there. That's oh, a name man. drop, by the way, for those of you who don't know. Deron Jones currently starring on Broadway in West Side Story. Again, uh, yeah. LaGuardia class of 16. Really oh, just doing it big. That's my boy. Um, <laughs> He's doing the thing. I, yeah, I, I, ran, I ran into him when I was when I was in Brooklyn. Um, and he was like making his way home from, from, from the show. 
So, you know, it was, it was really good to chop. It there was, did you, bro, did you see, and, I, and then I'm going to segue into what I'm actually asking you about, but <laughs> did you see that tabloid thing going around about, um, him, him meeting up with Vanessa, dancing with Vanessa Hudgens at the, yes, at the club? Yes, I did. And I bro, commented on that. I said, bro, you better get that. I, I said, that would be the pull of the generation. It will be. If you got with Vanessa Hudgens, but I don't know. It, Behind closed doors, maybe. It's gonna be so a real you, high school musical mixed with the fake high school musical. Together, <laughs> you feel me? Wow. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. I still haven't. We watched were the inspiration. Movie, but, it's a but, spicy episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not even 15 minutes in, by the way. Um, <laughs> that was like so, so um, Ahmad, so yes, you were a vocal major. Yeah. Um, what was the audition process like for you? I mean, because obviously you 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 knew that you wanted to go to conservatory. I'm guessing. So. Well, so so you saying my my audition going into LaGuardia or going into Columbia? Into college, I mean. Well, there was not an audition process. There was a placement. The audition mm. process was for the BFA um degree, but I for one, when I got there. Let's 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 start when when it was the open house. I came to Chicago even before I became a freshman because my cousin went there as a photography major. Mm-hmm. So he lived in one of the dorms, and I stayed over there for the weekend. So I was looking, you know, viewing and sightseeing all day in Chicago. I'm like, yo, this is dope. Like Chicago is a really nice place to be. I'm so serious. And mm-hmm. during the open house, I meet. Um, one of one of the people that is one of my best friends to this day, she was my day one um friend. We were sitting right next mm-hmm. to each other. So she was pursuing dance as I was pursuing musical theater. So being at that place, they've given me all the facts and all the opportunities that I think in my head, like, okay, well, once I get here, I have a much better um understanding as to, you know, the 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 teachers that I'll talk to and also the people that I'll surround myself with. Right. So um, during the placement, it was dance and singing. So I sang my song and um, I was placed in the advanced uh, theater singing class. As for dance, I was in the beginner because it was like a formerly dance class. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. not, not really that my, it's not my bread and butter right there. So I'm going to definitely do, do what I got to do there. With that being said, I got an email, I'd say a couple months into my freshman year of me getting um, a spot for auditioning onto their mainstay show, which was Once on this Island. Now, for that, in the email, they said, we don't want any non-black people auditioning for this show. Oh, shit. Yo, (laughs) when I tell you White folks were mad. They were, <laughs> oh my God. I felt the energy in the room because they said it in person with every theater person in, in, in the theater. They were like, so we're going to have auditions coming next week. As we said in the email, if you are not a person of color, do not come to the audition. Don't even think about it. Wow. <laughs> quiet. It was quiet in the musical theater. And I laughed my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> So, what did I say? The maestro of mess. Listen, <laughs> and so literally, I'm talking. I'm talking with one of my friends, and someone who was a junior. She comes up to me, and she's like, "Hi, how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm my, my name is Madeline." And so my boy introduced himself, and I introduced myself, and she said, "Wait, you're the Amat Simmons?" And I said, 
The? <laughs> I was like, who, who, who is that? Like, oh my God, Nicholas Baby's been talking about you. So he was the person that gave me the, he notified me from uh, of the audition. But um, it's sad to say I did not go. Why not? Because I did not have, but I felt I did not have anything prepared to say uh. or do in, in the show. And I, and I got so nervous. And that was one of the big regrets because that show was awesome when I saw it. So I can imagine after that. Damn. So after that, that moment when I talked to, to Nicholas, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, he had uh, he was like, I think, 26, 27, where he had passed away, like, I think last year. But oh, shit. Yeah. He, but he, he was one of the greatest stage managers I've known in my life. And when he told me about that and he said, yo, you have something that is great. Just keep doing what you got to do. Ever, ever since then, my second semester of freshman year, I was in a main stage musical. So I was in six of them. That's beautiful. So, Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, you know, you were beast. We already knew that. And what you <laughs> what you said actually um, was kind of one of the things I was going to um, my next question is I was going to ask, like, what moments um, not necessarily to belabor this, but what moments, if any, were there during because you both attended predominantly white institutions? Oh, yeah. Were there were there moments where you felt that um, and we'll start with Kiara again, there was kind of a uh, a preference being um given or skewed um, maybe away from people of color on your campus, especially in your majors specifically, because you two have, have majors that I think are because they have so much to do with visibility and um, you know, representation, you're really in a, in a, in, in key spots for like, you're like your prime targets for this sort of like bigotry to happen, I think. So I'm just curious to know maybe some, some war stories, quote unquote, about, uh, <laughs> things that might might have happened um Let's talk about key. It. <laughs> i feel like especially like what you're saying like in the journalism department there was a lot of whitewashing of shows so like our talk mm. shows our news outlet shows there's just a lot of like if you don't fit this i'm blonde i'm from the suburbs you know that vibe like you mm. weren't necessarily going to get chosen and so mm. i was in i was like one of the co-hosts of my school's talk show and a lot of my friends who were like, I was encouraging to audition. I was like, y'all got this audition, audition. They were like, no, it's okay. And I would ask them like, why don't you want to do it? And they were like, well, usually on the show, they usually have that one black girl, which was you. They have like, the the fabulous gay man. They have the skinny, pretty white girl. And then they have another random white girl thrown into there. So it's just kind of like everyone saw that it was like a continuing cycle where it was just like, if you don't fit that mold or if you weren't what they were looking for at that point in time, don't even try. So it's like mm. the only role you could really have was like work the camera, be a stage manager, help set up. It was like, not that we don't want to see you, but like, this is what we're so used to. We're not going to try to right. do anything to change it. Right. Mm. And yeah. that's one of the, one of the, um, I guess I want to say dangerous or not dangerous, but uh, tricky things about like diversity and I'm sure Jude has a, you know, might have something to say about this too, but like it, it becomes so, so focused on like checking boxes. It's like, well, we just have to have one of each. Yep. Like we have to yeah. have a black woman. We have to have at least one black woman. We have to have at least one gay person. We have to have at okay. least, you know what I mean? And so then rather than actually evaluating, 
you know, because I think that ultimately diversity is is about much more than color. You know, I mean, Jude, of course, one of the yeah. one of the, the the cool things, one of the reasons, you know, Jude and I started this podcast is we're pretty different people. I mean, obviously we have enough in common to be friends for five years now and like, you know, we're making yeah. this work, but you know, we're we're pretty different. I'm Christian. He is not explicitly religious in any way. You know, that's he's he's Jude is explicit, uh, but not in religion. <laughs> <laughs> in every way but that um no but you know he he's from east harlem i'm from west harlem you know um he grew up with uh, uh parents from different backgrounds themselves he had a black father and a white mother so like um we there's there's differences that there's a there's a like a black kid from new york is different from a black kid in ohio from mm-hmm. a black kid in britain you know so yeah. i think that it's as much about the internal um, oh yeah, Jude. Oh nah, I'm I'm actually kind of lost on that one. Ain't gonna oh, because <laughs> yeah, that's why we yeah. started the podcast. Absolutely. So that's that's a really important um, point, Kiara. Um, Ahmad, I'm sure you have. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know you have. It's not even. Like, I've heard some of these, um, some of your frustrations. Um. Okay, so I would say that. Diversity in the musical theater world is 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 basically as as what it is. Like they want you know a couple black people to be in the light to show like, hey, diversity is here. You know, mm-hmm. boom, this is, this is what you get. But the thing is that there's there are some shows that go on in um in the school as to where like sometimes. It can be a little bit of a problem. Like for for one, there was there was a show that went on. It was called Conference of the Birds, and it was supposed to be mainly women of color, mm-hmm. mind you. There were mostly white people that was auditioning for for this show. Wait, it was called Conference of the Birds, and it was supposed to be for black women. Yeah, I think the premise of it is like that is very that is actually because <laughs> yo yeah it's it's, it's, it's I, I don't not a good name man much, I don't know much about the show so i don't want to go fully fully into it but i'm gonna google that shit right now <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's it's like it's definitely something that it involves with it's something that involves with symbolism of it but the director mm-hmm. didn't really um see it that way nor did he acknowledge that and so you know, once you know, black black you know, black women were speaking to him about it, he went ahead and changed most of the things that that went on. But I'll talk about my um, things that that involved with diversity, and as far as with being a musical theater major, black music theater major at a PWI, I have a story. I have two stories. Um, okay. So <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but I think like. When it comes to theater or musical theater as a whole, they just want to mess with black people's hair. It's like it's <laughs> a problem. It's like a whole problem. Dude, like, I could go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What happened? So this was this was during sophomore year, and we were putting on the show Sweet Charity, and we actually put on Sweet Charity at LaGuardia, where yes. Timothy Chalamet was Oscar. Wait, yeah. Timothy Chalamet went to your school? Yeah. Oh, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. He, Timothy Chalamet was. Uh, <laughs> he was, he was a, uh, You're his face. Timothy Chalamet was a senior when when we were freshmen. Yeah, 
Jesus. Yeah, he and was- he was already um, working. He was on Homeland by that point. That TV oh, show, crazy. And then uh, he got to he got Interstellar, and then um, you know one thing led to uh, another. Jarrell Jarrell Jerome was names. in the Great Above Us. Jarrell Jerome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one I know. That one I know. Amir, like, shouts out to Amir. Always shouts out um, Jarrell. Yeah, Jarrell. I keep forgetting. I'm about to say boy from um, boy from. Yeah, what was this nigga in now? Moonlight. He was in. When they see us. When they see us. Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah, the boy. The man does good work. Yeah. Yeah. We had a we had a dynamite. Couple years there, but yeah. So sweet, sweet, yeah, next. sweet charity, <laughs> sweet charity. He was, um, he was playing the role of Oscar, and I saw the preview. I only saw a couple minutes of it because I fell asleep. But um, years later, then I know that I would be in the show. So while while we were doing tech for the show, uh, my two directors they came up to me, both white. I'll add some uh, specifics in there. And they came to me and they said, Ahmad, you ever thought about cutting your hair for the show? Mind you, my hair hmm. is in twists. So, and I told myself, I'm growing my hair out to its fullest extent. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I want to cut it off. Right. People pay me a good amount of money, then I'll cut it off. Right. <laughs> so she came to me and she said, you ever thought about cutting your hair for the show? And I literally... One thing I'm cutting is the check. Right. <laughs> and with no hesitation, I said, no. And she was like, oh, huh. Well, we're, we're, we're looking for a 60s type of um, hairstyle for everybody. I'm like, well, you basically told Ariel, who who's black as well, to keep her hair. And you told my friend Alain, who's black, lovely, the lovely, two lovely black women in the music theater world who are doing their thing like they're doing it professionally now i'm telling hmm. you but i'm just adding a little plug out there they kept their hair why would you want me to cut my hair for some reason like right. like you thinking that I, we, I, I don't give a damn about it i'm gonna cut all, all all this off for your satisfaction mind you you're not paying me in the first place so right we fast forward a couple weeks later and they're like well you ever thought about slicking it back now, mind you, at the first, at the time, I'm like, that's not going to work because I got hats on and I'm doing choreo. I'm going to be sweating. My hair's going to be looking, it's going to be fucked up. Rough. <laughs> uh, I told him, this is not working. And I said, listen, let me wear my braids. People wore, black people wore braids in the 60s. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, due to your character, like braids is not his thing. And I say, y'all are right now. I said, y'all are really killing me right now. And he said, first of all, why did y'all, why did y'all cast me (laughs) anyway? (laughs) If if this is a whole problem, if my hair is a whole problem and mind you, there's like eight other black men in, in, in the, in the show. And I came Mm -hmm. to them about it and they're like, what the hell is wrong with them? So they said, okay, you can keep the braids, but we're going to put a wig cap on some scenes and you're going to wear an Afro wig. You already have an afro, though. So you want? <laughs> so that that and I looked at them real close, and I just like, I just wanted to slap the fire out of their ass. Like I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to, and I just, and I was like, I'm gonna get kicked out the show. I can't yell at them because they're gonna be like, oh, the angry black man is coming out. So, um, yeah. I see the wig. 
It looked like Tito Jackson was reborn in, in, on my face. Like I swear, Sorry, Tito. <laughs> I had to shave my face. I looked like Tito Jackson. They couldn't even pick the hair out. Mind you, some white folks were like, "Oh, let me let me like do some stuff to your hair." I said, first of all, you are not touching my hair. Not stay away from me. <laughs> I'm I'm in so I'm in another show, and with a white director, and my hair is out. And he said, he said, okay, so Ma, you ever thought about like, we're going to put a beanie on top of your head, but we're thinking, you know, since you have your braids in right now, just take the braids out and just stuff your hair into the beanie. And then at the end of the show, just take it off. And then just, everybody was like, oh my God, he has hair. I said, hey, Adam, you're white. My hair is not animated. So let's, 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 let's cut that out right now, okay? And he was like, he thought it was gonna be a Disney movie. He thought it was just... gonna be a Disney movie. I was a, a, a goofy movie, like no. Uh-uh. Wow. No. So he was like, okay, okay, all right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So yeah, Mm-mm. I have, I don't, it, but I would say that I'm like fifty fifty on it because <laughs> black folk. In, in in my music theater department, we be taking these roles. We we mm. take these roles, and the white folks get mad. Oh, they do. They 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 <laughs> they're glad at the same time. You know, right. yo, Bobby's wrong, and you're in town. That's that's a white role. That's yeah. That's a main, and that's a main role, dude. That's so, that was incredible that you got that. So literally, I did not think that I would get that role, but once. I was talking to my friend Naomi, who was the casting, who was the stage manager, and she was talking to the casting director. She was like, "Well, what do you think? Like, who's going to be the, the the two principal roles?" And Stephanie, who was the director, she said, "If Ahmad and Lizzie are not those roles, then we don't know if we'll have a good show." Mm. Oh, shoot! Mm. Period. So. That was- Jude, you were gonna say something? Yeah, um, I wanted to ask um, all of you, uh, Justin included. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like you had to experience tokenism or like a Hell force, yeah. oh. a force, um, a force, a force, um, force uh, diversity, where you're like, yo, you're shoving this random black character down someone's throat, or you're Do shoving you know- this, yeah, you're shoving something down someone's throats, and it's not, it's it's not working. Do you ever feel like that you didn't working out? in a film, but they needed to fill up a quota. I'll hop on that first. Cause I, what Ahmad said, just even about hair, black hair, uh, on, on film and in stage, um, on stage and in film, sorry, uh, triggered me a bit. I think it's so, so super important to, if you have even one black actor, have someone who knows how to deal with that, with our hair. And it's not, it's not a matter of like, cause it's not problematic. It just requires more skill. <laughs> to, I mean, it's, it's, there is a, and I have personal experience with this because when I was, uh, when I shot my first feature, um, the, the, one of the weird things about it was we were shooting, basically I, I was, uh, I had like two weeks uh, on set, um, you know, like all told, or maybe a week actually, because it was, even though there was two different weeks I was shooting, it was only a few days per week. And um, each time I'd come back, right. Uh, my hairline would obviously have like, you know, it would have started to grow back in. And there was this, just this lady, this white lady. Now, bless her heart. She was doing her best. 
but she was i was like yeah you're gonna have to straighten this again for continuity if we're doing like a you know a scene that takes place earlier or whatever i have to look the same as i did last week when my hair was shaped up so she was like okay well i guess i can just do that so she took this electric razor and and she uh and she would like line it up each time but each day i came in and she did it she would push my my hairline further up my forehead which is why and you can see this you can see it in the film you might notice it in the film relative to what it actually is yeah but also if you if you look at um photos of me during into the woods ahmad my my Mm. uh high school my final senior performance Mm. as the prince my my hair was like it was there was a stratosphere between like my eyebrows <laughs> and where my hair, it was ridiculous. And it was at the point where when I finished filming, I remember walking into the basement and Travis Rayburn saw me and yes, he said, bro, what happened to your, <laughs> what happened to your hair? bro?" <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, yeah, man, don't. Cause it was literally like, it was like magic marker. Like oh, God. my hairline was here, Yo, but it was also no. here. So that that's it's super important but to answer to get to your question jude mm-hmm. um something that i think about often is the fact that my role was not was written as a and it's in the script uh, was written as a blonde haired white kid mm-hmm. and i always wondered at like a, a while after i auditioned and, and filmed even like past that I, I was watching the movie and then i thought after a while and i was like was i did i get the part on merit or on like necessity yeah, you know, and that's something that kind of, I don't know, like it's. I mean, I'm in it either way, and I'm grateful. I'm eternally grateful, but it does Absolutely. make me wonder. It gives me pause for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiara, do you? I mean, tokenism is maybe isn't exactly. Oh, it, it is. It's very similar. Or just forced yeah. diversity, like when they just put in a random character, like, oh, why they do that? Yeah, like when they made Michael B. Jordan the Human Torch in uh, the Fantastic Four movie, like, why they do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Need- like you didn't need to do that. We don't need to see another black man on fire. Like, come on, like, oh, mm. Mm. you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. yeah. mm. or Yo, what is that Doctor Umar? <laughs> Yo, what made me mad though? What made me really upset was the Power Rangers. The fact that the Black Ranger was not black, Listen. and he was eight. They had to do that whole switch, and I, I, I was just really upset because the racism in Power Rangers was tasteful. Okay. But- <laughs> <laughs> If you're gonna be racist, at least have class about you it. You know, like we all love who doesn't love Zach? Like, come on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely think it's a thing. Um, Ahmad or Kiara, either of you want to speak to Go you ahead, know, your personal experience. <laughs> well, first, I know Travis too, so that was funny. I forget everybody knows Travis. Yeah, he's all over the place. <laughs> but um, to like add to your point, I feel like that just starts like imposter syndrome because then you start to think like mm. I deserve to be here. Am I here because I'm as amazing as they claim that I am, or am I legitimately amazing? And I think right. that we have to unlearn to feel that way. But there are times that I'm just kind of like. Mm, definitely needed me here because you were like, there's a black girl, there's Kiara, let me go get her, as opposed right. to being like she like would be great for this. Mm-hmm. And right. it's like you have to not feel like it lets you feel like, wow, am I undeserving of this? And it makes you question sometimes, like, is this me? 
And I feel like that's something that I had to deal with, especially with like getting internships or like other job opportunities. Yeah. And I'm actually curious, like when it comes to journalism, because obviously, you know, as actors, it's after people see us work a certain number of times, they develop an idea of of what things suit us. Mm -hmm. But like, how does it work in journalism? Like how, what, how do people determine like what, or how do you determine what you bring to journalism is it like the things that you're interested in or is it like the way you deliver obviously they teach you i guess to a, an extent like you know delivery especially in broadcast journalism right. but like yeah what is what is that like what is your brand as a journalist well i want to do entertainment news but then i also wouldn't mind doing um hard news but i do i get less opportunities for hard news because everyone just always sees me as like an entertainment journalist mm-hmm. a lot of like interviewing people about like what they wore like how they feel about a certain topic or like musicians or like very Mm -hmm. like fluff pieces but lately everyone's also been trying to get me into weather but like I have no intention of telling people that it's gonna rain or be sunny (laughs) like that's not really my energy that's not my vibe so it's like I feel like people just put you in a certain box depending on like what they already see on the news yeah it's just like she looks like she could do that like they also need to get a really good point because there aren't a lot of like black women who report on sports, but that's not something I'm interested in. Like, you can't tell me, like if someone said LeBron James did so-and-so, I'd be like, that's cute. That's cool. But like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what does that have to do with me? No, exactly. Whatsoever. So it's like, yeah, we do kind of get pigeon held to like certain topics and genres, depending on like how you look, how people see you, your voice matters a lot too. Mm. And I think that's something that's like always put me in a certain position to be considered for certain things. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I would, I would think that you have a deeper voice relative to a lot of uh, women I know, but, um, right. I, and so I don't know like what, cause to me, if I think of a deep voice woman, then I'm thinking like investigative <laughs> investigation <laughs> discovery, like you come out in the, in the warehouse and you're like on right, April 12th, 1978. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, that's, that's a really good, um, insight. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit because Abril has been very quiet and I want to let her actually um, <laughs> talk. So, um, Let's go, sis. Abril, keep- never this quiet, but I was so interested in learning about, cause you guys all do something so different from what I do and you're all good at things that I'm not good at. So I'm just sitting, sitting here like inspired, you know? Yeah, I'm. I um. Well, you're inspiring too, Abril. And <laughs> and one of the things, um, obviously, like I said up top, you know, uh, we wanted to kind of talk to someone who's, you know, a few steps onto the other side now and has been working. Um, you know, I guess just talk a little bit about like what it is you do, um, what your day to day is, um, and then eventually, you know, we will obviously get into the 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 corona part of the conversation, but just to just to kind of get an introduction because obviously the first time you were on we were just all talking about music but our listeners may not actually know you know you yeah absolutely um so i work in the nonprofit field i work for a nonprofit um and i work specifically with volunteers and partners and donors um and so i this like became i i kind of like fell into this 
by accident because um you know I was part of a business program in high school which I never intended to be in I was actually really interested in the arts but I was way too shy to tell my guidance counselor that I was actually in the wrong class so I stuck with it with business I ended up really enjoying it and then I through college and now after college um I worked for the business program from my high school um which was a nonprofit so um it's like a unique track you know I, I was always like you were talking about uh Kiara about imposter syndrome and things like that and I definitely had that because I went to uh um Baruch College um and everyone there is like very businessy very like very diverse don't get me wrong so I do have a different experience in that but everyone there was like super like finance bros everybody wearing like three-piece suits for no reason and i'm just like in my old navy outfits like what's good um but um you know it you know so i've always just uh, for like a while now i've been really into that business track um but more so on the side of like the nonprofits and and you know just kind of how i could give back in some way um, which was very different to like the business school uh, kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And also everybody in my school was interning at all these different companies. And I was like sticking it through with like one place. But and that it ended up being really a great option for me because I got a job right after college with them. So um, that's like a really great, you know, it was it was great to be part I of that. I love that. that. Yeah. Okay, so so. That's interesting that you, that you, how you describe sort of like um, falling into it. I'm curious how you and Jude met. That's funny too, because we it's met working at a restaurant. Well, so I had, I had, uh, before I had started interning um, at my company, I was working at uh, Ricardo Steakhouse. I was a yep. home, which honestly, <laughs> I will tell everybody that, Jobs like, you know, waitress, hostess, bartender, all those things have such great skill sets that you develop on the job yeah. that work. Yo, it's crazy. For jobs because I, the reason I took that hostess job, well, I knew the owner and well, my mom knew the owner and um, they were like longtime friends and, and they worked together and, uh, and he got me the job. And then I was like really nervous about it because I just didn't like. I like I, I'm very friendly with people, but I'm also sometimes like shy and like intimidated by people. Like, oh my god, they're so much, you know, more interesting than me. Or yo, whatever. I thought April was mad mean. No, that's <laughs> I literally would walk. I thought April was mad mean. I was, yo, I must have been so annoying to work with for the other waiters and stuff because I was just like a young college kid. Like, oh my god, I'm just delighted to be here, and they're all like, I got bills to pay, girl. <laughs> I was like. I'm learning so much about my communication skills here. And they're like, please stop. I've been on Get out of my face. 10 hours. (laughs) You just got kids and shit. But how me and Jude met, I don't even know. I think Jude Jude is the type to just go up to people and be like, yo, yo, what's up? (laughs) Nah, like every, every, all the time there'll be a new girl in Ricardo's because that's just what happened. It's a spot where drug dealers who will live their glory days hang out. And they have yes. pretty young ladies as bartenders, hostesses, waitresses, and they're always com- coming in. And I see April, and she's not bougie. She's not wild. She's just like this, like 
chill girl. I'm like, oh, let me go talk to her. Say what's up. And I was like, what, like 15 or 16 when you met me? Yeah, you were you were such a little baby. And I was like, what is this baby doing here? Like, <laughs> Yo, I was working there since I was 12. I was working there when I was prepubescent, man. Like, Yo, I was Jude like, was a, Jude was a child laborer, apparently. Is this kid just showing up with a broom and just sweeping and, and playing? And, you know, it was so funny because once me and Jude became friends, like, we were, like, inseparable. And people would always be like, are y'all, like, hello? Like, can y'all chill? And we would, uh, I remember my favorite thing to do was when we would plug the, the iPad that was connected to, like, the music. To the oh, sound. yeah. And then we would just be playing, like, like Jude would come in, like, yo, you heard that new Kendrick? And I was like, yo! And, like, we would just plug it in, blast it. Everybody else yo. was like, where is the bachata? Where is <laughs> We are Bro, trying to prepare ourselves. We're in for East Harlem. <laughs> it was all the bachata and all the Michael Jackson that no one likes. There's no beat it. Yes. There's no thriller. It's like, don't stop to get enough. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. I had some of the songs that they played over and over again at that restaurant. Like if I heard it outside of the restaurant, I got triggered. Like I, I it was 100%. like really But I think actually, what's even scarier is when you like a song that's played over all all the time at your job. Yes. Because I don't know if that's me liking it or if I've just been conditioned and like Can I have I'm a song? choosing. I'm cho- huh? Can you tell me a song? Oh God. Um, okay, this is slightly embarrassing. I, you know what? It's not embarrassing because I'm 22 years old and I like what I like. So, <laughs> some of you will know. I used to actually. Most of you who listen will know because I uh, read my um, two weeks notice on the show. I used to work at TJ Maxx. Uh-huh. I worked there for a little over a year. And you know, you know, retail is um, much like Abril was saying. It's a place that you do learn a lot of skills, mostly just dealing with people, especially when you're at the front end, um, because it's a million tiny interactions per week. You know, that just like that accumulate. Um, They played. I remember, well, this is not the answer. One time I was super surprised. We were closing and they played Tiana Taylor. um, uh, uh, You're going to love me. Is that what the song's called? With Method Man? Oh, you're going to love me. You're going to want to hold me. Yes, you're going to love me. I I was like, I was like, what? Where are we? (laughs) Is this like a nightclub? But um, the song that I that I actually started to really like, one of the songs was this Dua Lipa song called um, "I Can Be the One." I just like it's a bop. You know, it would it would come on, and I'd be like, "Oh, here's this Dua Lipa song again." But then once your foot starts tapping while you're sorting your cash register, it's quiet. It's a rap. Yeah, that that definitely um, is a thing. But I think that's beautiful. I mean, I I call um, I kind of tease. Jude, I call him the hero of East Harlem because it's like walk, walking with him is like walking around with Luke Cage, like on <laughs> on that whole side of the of of the of the borough. Like he knows every third person, um, and so uh, it's it's beautiful, you know, when he referred uh, Abril to us the first time um, uh, as a guest for the show. Um, I wound up being super satisfied and happy that like I made this connection because Abril is dope. Um, She's the dopest, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, that that ties into, you know, I guess the larger conversation. Um, Obviously, COVID. If you guys didn't know. Hey, did you guys know? Oh, we Um, didn't know. What's it it called again? Isn't that like a beer from Mexico? Vin Diesel likes to drink it on Fast and Furious? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, this this is one of the... uh, not even one of it's the biggest monkey wrench um, in anyone's plans ever. And I am curious to know for Ahmad and Kiara, 
um, almost like a where were you type of thing when like you realized, oh, school's over? Like, what was that like for you, um, especially as seniors? Um, well, that's, that's, that was a, that was a tough one to go through. Um, I can, I, I for one can say that when they were talking about COVID and, you know, how it entered into the U S everybody was, everybody was, was so, um, optimistic. They were like, it's going to pass. We're cool. Mm-hmm. It's not going to affect our school. It's fine. But then as it started getting closer and closer, I'm like, I'm doing stage combat, about to get my certification. I'm about to, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm in urine town. I'm about, we're about to get this show up and running. And I'm in my actor senior showcase as for casting directors, talent agents, and directors to look at us doing our monologues and wanting mm-hmm. to have, wanting them to, to have us for, for their shows. And on top of that is, the people that I've met, the the friendships that I've built or began to to, to build with folks mm-hmm. are going down the drain, and so it was it was at the time as where everybody was saying we're gonna be open throughout all this. It's cool, but then once one person caught the virus, they said everybody gotta go. Literally, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll estimate like five to six days. Damn. For they were saying everybody got to be gone at this time. Mind you, they were first saying we're going to be open. So people that were international kids, they were like, okay, let's not stay here. So they were already on their flights back home. Right. But for me and everybody else, they're like, okay, cool. We're going to stay right here. But then when they told us that we got to go, we're like, now we got to pay for these flights that are just around the corner and mm-hmm. just make our way back home and live the lives that we were having before we came to school, staying home. Yeah. And that was a, it was, it, it was, it was like the one night that will always, I will always remember it ever in, in my life. That is like the most monumental moment ever was that show of your town. They yeah. told us my, my, my director, she had brought everybody in the cast onto the stage and it was saying that COVID is happening. But we're going to have one night and that will be which was the day of our dress rehearsal slash faculty run and they said we're gonna put the show on on that day. We only had oh, three days of tech week. Three days of tech. It was no band. It was just, you know, working with cue lights and the sound. No band. Mm. Was working it through it. And then when they told us that, it was like, I was so, I was so angry. I was so mad because I was like, all of this stuff is happening. And now it is like, it's gone. I, mm. I can't, I can't do that in-person thing. Like, not to mention, like, we're doing a digital showcase, which is fine. But with um, stage combat, I don't know when I'm going to be able to go back to Chicago and finish my certification. And all those dates of the show is down the drain. But the first thing I did when they told us that everybody was crying, went upstairs, and I put three dents in the in the dressing room. 
and mm. damn, I was bro. so mad. I was so mad because of everything that was going on. Everything that was so positive in my in my last semester of college is now about to go away. But mm. on that night, the director said we're going to invite everybody from Columbia, all the faculty, and we're going to bring them into the in, into the theater. We're going to have one night to pull, pull this off. And we're, we don't even give a fuck about the fire hazard amount of people. Mm. We packed that theater out to its fullest, and I mean fullest potential. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we heard that uh, when we heard them applaud and cheer, even before we got on the stage, we knew that this show and this night would go down in Columbia's history. And it most definitely did. Because of the roaring of the audience, every every movement, every word, every line we were singing, every song, every every bit of choreography that was going on, it was like a dream that is now gone. But it's mm-hmm. it's, it's in our heads. It's in everybody's heads. And mm-hmm. for myself to 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 see, wow. To, to see me growing up and growing mentally and physically in that school because of the, the, uh, the fucked up things that were going on um, in my life at that time, the year before, I did not see myself being that, like, portraying that role and having everybody look at me in my face as I'm singing all these songs for them. And then once I sing that last, that that one song that everybody knew from that show, even before I sing it, that one note start, everybody started to cheer because they knew what was going to happen. And they got, I got the biggest standing ovation I ever got in my entire life. That shit was fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. At the end of that show, I cried in front of everybody in that audience. And that joint right there, no, no one saw me, no one ever saw me cry before. And that was a little weird to some folks. But they knew that this is the last time, this will be like the last time in a while that they will ever see a show be put on. So right. I came back. I was sitting in that bed. It was like 2 in the morning. And I was listening to DJ D-Nice. Um, hey. Yeah. And he, he had, it was like, he put on the song For All We Know by Donny Hathaway. And I said, I haven't heard this song in years. So I put that on. I cried that big time. But after all those tears, I knew in my head, I said that I cannot stop here. This is only mm-hmm. my this is only a setback that will be gone hopefully soon, sooner than, than later. And we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna get back on track because that was a big halt. A big halt yeah. for a lot of people that are graduating as everybody else. Yeah. It's gonna be hard trying to get back into that field once this thing is lifted. You know, a lot of people are struggling. Are yeah. you thinking of masters after um all this? Because you're I'm, this is your senior year. I, I'm I'm thinking about it, and you know I'm 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 gonna like wait a while. I'm not gonna go straight into that. I'm, just mm-hmm. gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right in. You know I'm I. Uh, I was set 
to be in a Broadway Bound Kids program as a teacher assistant um, with one of the teachers that have brought me in. And they're going through things that is involved with like funds and I was going to be teaching at the martial arts school, but it's just, it just a little setback right now. So once that's once the thing is lifted, I'll be ready to get back into work and then get ready to audition and all that. And then we'll mm. have talks of me getting the masters. Yeah. That's beautiful, bro. I, I felt that, man. I mean, you know, it is, um, I think that what you experienced that night was really just a release of a lot of the tension you built up over those four years. And, um, you know, it's almost cinematic the way that like, we got one night, you know, one and night. you just, you give your all. And, um, and really in theater, obviously every night is just, you're supposed to perform like it's your last night, you know, yeah. like you're, this is your first and last. And so, um, I'm I'm glad that you at least had the chance to have that performance. Yeah. As frustrating and sort somewhat um anticlimactic as the whole thing might have been. Um Kiara, how was um how, where were what was your process like, you know, grappling with the end of your college time? Um well, we had just gotten back from spring break, so when I was going to spring break, everyone in the airport like had masks on. But at that point in time, it was just like we're just everyone's just wearing masks to be like extra because no one really knew what was going on yet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then we got back to school, and everyone was like, "Zoom University! I'm so excited for Zoom University!" Like cancel school, cancel school. But no one was really <laughs> taking like the reality of the situation. And I'm in my mind, I'm kind of like, "Wait, like if they cancel exactly. school, that means like graduation's over." That means all these clubs yeah. that we woke so right. hard yeah. on end of the year things for that's clipped too. Like um, everything that we had been excited for is over. But of course, everyone who still had time at school was like, no, I'm ready for summer. Take me home. Take me home. And for me, I had just like I was sitting with my friends. We were watching like the unveiling of um, this, like the Afro-Caribbean clubs miss um Miss Soka, their like Caribbean queen, their pageant. Like we were gonna see who all the like women were for the pageant, and then we all get mm-hmm. the notification: school is going remote, like for the remainder of the semester. Mm. And I was just like, "This can't be real! Like this isn't funny! Like it's over!" And everyone's screaming, everyone's so excited. I'm just kind of like, "Wait, no, I don't like this." And so all my friends, they're like, "Yeah, let's go out, let's go drink." I'm like, "Wait, like okay, yeah, let's go," but like, what's what's supposed to happen now like what's going to go down right but but what but what about still what about our future yeah. <laughs> I'm like, down to go because you know it was thursday but like at the same time like what's going on and i don't think it really hit me until like my friends who were living in like dorms had to leave like they're like y'all have a week to get out and i'm just kind of like whoa like mm-hmm. we got to go like this is for real this is over and I think what my whole issue at the time was, I was like, do I really want to be a journalist? Which was like a really bad time to have a whole like quarter life crisis at the end of like college. <laughs> but I'm just kind of like, wow, like, is this what I really want to do? And like, I was starting to answer those questions. I was starting to figure everything out. And then they were like, school's canceled. So I'm like, God, like, is this a sign that I need to drop this and like do something mm-hmm. else? Like, should I start investing in another career path? And then I was like, but what if it's a sign that I need to keep pushing? And I was just kind of like, there's a lot going on. I can't really talk to everyone, anyone at all, because everyone's in shambles. 
And then it's like you feel bad for being upset about something like school ending when there are people dying and people getting sick. But then at the same time, it's kind of like, this is kind of like a death in a sense, not to that full extent, but it's like the Mm -hmm. end of something. And for me, it was just kind of like, wow, like I have to go back home. Like I have to, like, I've changed a lot, but like, what if my family didn't change? Like what if life back home didn't change? And it's like Mm -hmm. so much is happening. And like, I just realized we're not in control of anything. And so it became more so how am I going to try and adjust and maintain all the growth that like I had inside of me when it feels as though life is never going to be the same ever again. Mm. Right. Right. I think, you know, something, um, both of y'all are so eloquent. I just, I'm happy. I'm really happy that I was able to have, um, you two on, um, uh, and I was able to convince, um, especially Kiara on such short notice. Um, I, I think what you, something you said, uh, Kiara, that's important is, you know, that real, that realization that, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not in control of this. I know for me, I'm a big control freak. Um, it probably runs in the family and it, a weird thing happened where I was like, because I know that there is nothing I can do until like, it started with the news. I was like, I'm not like every time you go on Twitter you know, Corona, there was a point where like the, 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 the number of reported cases was trending, the number of deaths per country. I was like, okay, until someone tells me that I have to radically alter my life or there's something I can be doing to help, like to, to help, uh, uh, um, abate this, I'm not, I'm tuning it out because what am, what is this telling me except that right. like, Hey, stuff is still bad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, what has been, helpful for me in a weird way is that total release of, of control because, you know, I'm like, this is not anything that anyone has ever, I mean, like anyone who's still alive has really ever dealt with, even, you know, you compare it to the 1918 pandemic, but like that was obviously a hundred years ago and, you know, the, the world has changed so much. So like, this is brand new for every single person. And so rather than trying to like, inflict my understanding on it or something you just you know i think that what you said is exactly right that realization that you don't have control not letting it be something that causes fear but um i guess finding like kind of a serenity in that or 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 a peace in that um you know and i think it's helpful obviously when you have um i mean can you imagine speaking in 1918 can you imagine if we couldn't do this like if we couldn't get on yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Oh, You're just stuck in the house with like five kids because no, no one was using yeah. protection then and all, and healthcare was not as advanced as it is now. And even the right. news cycle, because you're just sitting there not knowing. Test results yes. are taking months to get. Yeah, I'm exactly. over exaggerating, but you're just stuck in the unknown, and yeah. everyone's dying, and everyone's sick, and you're just terrified yeah. of that. I think we're very lucky compared to a hundred years ago. 100%. And um, I, you know, the other cool thing about everyone here is that we're all, you know, um, we're all community folk in the sense that I think largely we've all lived in the same place for most of our lives. Um, I mean, I've lived in this same apartment, not forget the same neighborhood. Like I've been in oh, this yeah. room, oh, this yeah. bedroom. 
<laughs> 22 years right here. <laughs> For, since day one. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit as, um, as I guess we, we uh, start to wind down about just what it's been like for y'all to come home, um, to see obviously specifically Harlem the way it is, um, and in Queens in Abril's case, uh, you know, what are some things that you, what I want to ask, like are maybe appreciating anew about your community or what are some things that you're seeing that are changing in, in regards to this? Like I'll, I'll start, you know, for a while, my part of Harlem seemed to be kind of um, holding out on the um, everything on masks, on, you know, closing down businesses. Like it, it seemed like it wasn't really getting through to people up here mm-hmm. yet. And then I noticed like, um, maybe it was like the third week of March I went outside and I, and I saw the first people with masks. So there was like one night that like I stepped out to, um, to the deli briefly and um, I noticed it was closed and that's a 24 hour deli Mm. right across the street from me. And they were like, we're closed, you know, um, indefinitely due to the, to the COVID um, scare. And I mean, um, you know, I'll say, I can say it, you know, because we're past it now, but my, my dad actually did contract the virus. Mm. Um, And he, it was, it was really, um, it was worrisome, obviously. What was weird, so y'all remember that Cuomo uh, shut down New Rochelle. Yeah. That was yeah. like the first city that got closed. Well, my dad works in Westchester County and is frequently, a lot of his offices, he's a, he's a probation, um, uh, parole revocation specialist. He works in, in, for the state. So a lot of his offices are in New Rochelle. And as soon as, as soon as I heard that, I was like, yikes. And my dad was, I remember one day, um, this was the week before my birthday, he was like frustrated. He decided to take a few days off for himself because his superiors weren't being clear as to whether or not they were going to impose a work from home mandate or whatever. So he was like, I'm just going to do it myself because y'all, you know, I'm not risking you know, my life for this. Now, you know, mind you, of course, my dad's 61 years old. Mm. He's a healthy guy, but he's 61. Um, I remember then the Friday, uh, he said that, you know, he had, it had been reported that a coworker had contracted the virus and that um, he was, and that like everyone who had come in contact with him should be tested. So then my dad had to do that whole process. And then on Monday, March 23rd, which was my birthday is when he got the positive results back. And yeah, that was, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously talk about like a bad birthday present. (laughs) That's not how I was thinking about it, but um, it was, it was frightening because now, mind you, just the day before, I mean, like we were acting like everything was fine. My dad uh, and I both did that um, one minute rapid punch challenge. And my dad was like, he got up to like over 300 punches, you know, where it's just like uh, uh, 60 seconds and you throw as many straight jabs and crosses as you can, whatever. He's moving around, he's breathing, whatever. You know, it takes him a while to get his breath back, but he's, he's not like dying. Yeah. And so we're thinking that he's completely healthy. But yeah, it was two weeks he had to isolate himself from like while we were all quarantined he had to isolate himself in his bedroom mm. because he couldn't Where'd you know mom sleep my well luckily we have another room where oh, my okay, brother cool. used to sleep yeah um and so thankfully she was able to sleep and work in there but it was hard for her obviously to not be able to connect to my dad um so he's long recovered now we we're we're about a um a month we're almost a month past you know the the end of the two week period 
But I remember like that when he got sick, weirdly enough, was when I started to see also my community start to like change, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just wondering like, you know, for y'all, if there were any changes that you saw around your, your parts of the, of the block that, um, and then, you know, because on the positive note, my ch- our church, Kiara, is has been running a food pantry and they've been delivering um, they've been delivering food and they've been letting people come in and get food. So, like, there's positive adaptations as well. You know, I don't want to make everything so dark and dour. Yeah. But, um, yeah. How have you guys just I mean, any anyone who wants to go? Um, how's how have y'all's communities? <laughs> my, my, my hood looks the same, which is comforting. The juice bar, my neighborhood, New Level Juice Bar, is still opening. You can't go in there, but mm. they're still pumping out juices every day. Mm-hmm. Um, Target's open. The whole mall in that in, in on um on Pleasant Avenue is open. Mm-hmm. Everything is pretty much open in my neighborhood, except you know the restaurants to like sit in. Gotcha. And guys are still out there working out on the bars with no shirt on. I'm like, yo. Well, that's good. <laughs> yo, guys are out there on their dirt bikes. And I was staying in the Bronx with my girlfriend for a while. And, you know, just everyone is, everyone seems like they're following the rules, though. Like, that's good. Yeah. You know, I think um, everybody looks more responsible. Like, you know what? I got to do what I got to do to try and make this thing stop. And everyone's wearing their mask. Right. Everyone is trying to stay six feet apart. You know, and for the people who aren't social distancing, that's that's their problem. But the majority of people are just trying to do the right thing, and that's kind of what shows to me is that the everyone in the, in these neighborhoods are just trying to do the right thing and keep everybody safe. And right. however they can make this go as smoothly as possible, they will do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ahmad, Abril, Kiara. Um. If anybody else, you don't got to force anything, but it's just, no, I, was, you know. I was like, okay, 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 I'll go. Um, the, the moment I the moment I got back, I felt like I didn't want to be here. To be honest, I wanted to be mm. back in Chicago with my folks. I did not want to come back to New York. I swear, but mm. it was like that for a few days. But as soon as I got back, I met up with with some friends of mine who lives on the block and. We we just we just walked around Harlem, and we we didn't really we didn't see anybody with masks on, and for one we we didn't have masks on either, because um, <laughs> we we were all still in disbelief. Some of them mm-hmm. still in disbelief of the virus. You know they're treating it like it's a regular regular day, and um, the stores were still open, but then it wasn't until Cuomo said some shit, and then once I came back out for a walk. It was it was some stores that were closed. It was stores that were mm-hmm. closed and the Jamaican spot that's right on one thirty fifth right there, that joint still open. Yeah. You know? Oh, thank God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shoot, I'm about to do some Uber Eats in that place. Um, <laughs> but I would say that the one thing that I started to do as soon as I came back, I started going on my roof more often. Mm. You know, I, I just I just I'm most when when I'm in Chicago, I'm always moving. Like mm. anybody could tell you that my friends from Chicago, when they see me walking somewhere, I'm going somewhere. And I'm focused. You're not gonna be able to to get my attention unless you like step right in front of me. But right. um, once I came back, I wasn't doing any of that. I was staying in one spot, and so I decided like I just need some peace. So me going on that roof, bringing my speaker and bringing my my book. 
that's that's some stuff that is. And your wine. Yeah. <laughs> what you been and reading? Wine. <laughs> I um I've been reading um uh plays by August Wilson, and it's also mm. for an assignment as well. But I do have two other books, actually four. That's a lie. Um, that I had to finish reading. It's um one of them is the destruction of black civilization. The other one is hmm. Pimp by Iceberg Slim, um, The Alchemist, and uh, there's another book that's right behind me that I'm looking at. But yeah, it's just is, and I also want to like learn some learn new things as I'm here. You know, try to get right. more into knowing about the musical data history and the industry. Um, I want to know more about muscle anatomy for mm-hmm. reasons, um, and. Uh, you know, probably kill somebody, but you know, it's, um, <laughs> I, uh, I just, I just love, I, 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 I would say now that being back here, it's nice. It's nice. Cause the plan was to yeah. come back after graduation. I just did not think it would happen this early. So, right. Yeah. 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 I definitely get that. Um, well, Harlem is, uh, Harlem is yeah, it's a good point you make about, you know, input, prioritizing your, your input, what you're um, feeding yourself with. Um, Kiara, Abril? Um, I got back on Wednesday, so I haven't been here for so long. I was like in the little bubble. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't been okay. that long at all. So mm. when I came home, a lot of my mm. stuff is still in Philly because I haven't officially moved out yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I took the Greyhound home, which was an experience within itself because it was just weird seeing everyone like masked yeah. up, everyone separated, like you weren't allowed inside the station unless your bus was leaving in the next 30 minutes. Like there was just a lot going on. So mm. that was interesting to see because aside from that, I hadn't really seen people with like legitimate masks. But then you get to Harlem, people got polo masks, Chanel masks, Louis Vuitton masks, everyone <laughs> It was like designer masks all over the place. <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. And I think it's just so interesting to me because I know I don't see like a lot of white people wearing masks, but everybody else is masked up. And it's interesting because we're Bro. the rest of you <laughs> used, so yeah. yeah, literally yesterday I uh is one of the, the longest periods of time I've been out. Uh, since everything with my dad and all that, I went to the deli with my sister to get some uh, sandwiches and we're in the, like, and we, uh, one of our uh, favorite delis is actually two blocks away from us. So it's a little bit of a walk, but not much. It was nice to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like the plastic, like vacuum seal over like the dude, the cashier has a, has a, a plastic um, covering. And then there's like a little flap that you have to put your stuff through and then he hands it back to you. Uh, the sandwich guy, you, it's, there's like, which there's already glass over the over the food anyway. But then there's plastic over that. I'm in there with my mask. She has her mask. Everything. We're everybody's like, you know, whatever. Um, the cashier didn't have a mask on, but I guess he was behind the plastic. And then like, in comes this this white dude who looks like Edward Snowden, oh, and he, <laughs> he is completely uncovered, like completely uncovered, boldly. He doesn't even have a hat on. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, you can't, obviously you can't tell anybody what to do. We're all grown, but it is, um, I think that like people being like defiant about it, but it's all, it's, it's 
so much misinformation is being spread from so many different sources all the time that it's like you could hear you could just as fervently believe that there's no reason to protect yourself as everyone else believes that there is so it's like again you know i i do i agree um jude as far as seeing the people that i that i've grown up seeing in the community like doing their part because i think that there's just, that's just neighborliness like you yeah. you want to preserve the community and you don't want to think that you're responsible for making your friend or your neighbor sick so no um, not at all exactly and I, you know the barber shops have been closed we all been dealing with that mm-hmm. well not you jude because you had your girl shave your head yo my girl <laughs> head man i look like avatar ang bro <laughs> so uh like there's, there's that but i'm over here you know uh trying to get my donald glover going so go. i mean <laughs> um our real house queens so you know obviously you're in a whole uh, different borough i'm like the the representative of queens right now because <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good um no so you know it so my job has been remote since uh early march um, mm-hmm. and that was even before everybody else, that was probably days before everybody else, um, mm. was kind of told to stay home if they can. Um, and so I've been at home and it's been scaring me because I have asthma, so I'm not trying to, you know, original wheezy. I'm not trying to get right. up out here. So I, I was like very vigilant about staying home, about, you know, washing. And I've always been like, in middle school, I think we had like a, a health assembly and I became a germaphobe after that. I was legit like middle school. A was like going home, washing her hands. I don't put no, I don't have like my outside clothes on my bed or on my, you know. What do you finish girls in that? My girl does the same thing. I'm like so, like so anal about that kind of stuff. And so that like germaphobe was like coming back in me. And the thing is that my family was like, fuck it, we're still going to do whatever. Like, so <laughs> part of the problem. Um, and then also in in my community, the speci- I specifically live in Corona, Queens. So <laughs> how's that for, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but even here, it took a long time to from in order for me to see people wearing their masks outside. Like, I didn't see it until maybe two weeks like I think I started seeing it like more and more regularly like two three weeks ago um but people were still like bumping into each other like I'm trying to like I'm almost getting hit by cars trying to avoid people on the sidewalk but they're just Mm. like chilling walking and and living their best life um the supermarket is a mess also just like people with their masks on but like under their nose and i'm like what are you what what are you doing that what what is the purpose what are you hoping and so that that has been you know kind of like a frustrating thing because it's like you can't like i think people think that the masks are to help themselves but it's to help others yeah but the fact that it's to help the fact that they they believe that it's to help themselves is I think the reason why they're keeping them on because Mm. sometimes people don't care about their neighbors and they're just like, Mm. I don't care if you get sick as long as I don't get sick. Like, so I, you know, and my family has been, you know, their number one news source is definitely WhatsApp. So that's (laughs) deal with. Um, (laughs) But so, yeah, like in terms of that, it's been kind of wild 
But um, and then I haven't had to have that experience of like coming back home as um, Amada and Kiara have because like I've always been home. Like I went to a, mm-hmm. I was a commuter student. I still live at home now working full time. And partly it's because, you know, nonprofit doesn't pay enough for me to go get my own place. And then also mm-hmm. New York City so damn expensive that you can't really get your own place unless you anyway. Yeah. 19 kids and counting but um you know it it is the longest amount of time that i've spent at home like even in the first couple days it was like the longest amount of time that i spent continuously at home because i'm you know i'm always out and about i'm always like if it's not at work i'm getting dinner with my friends or drinks with my friends i'm like volunteering doing something i'm like always like jumping around and so just you know, me and my family having to like learn how to be around each other for long periods of time was an adjustment. Um, and everybody's habits, like, you know, exposed at the same time was also mm-hmm. an adjustment. So, you know, it, it was a different, it, it was, it was a moment, but I think that we're in a good flow now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, in order to avoid ending the show on, uh, a sad note. Something that Jude and I usually do is we do a song of the week, uh, you know, or songs, something that you've been listening to uh, or some things that you've been listening to that keep you um, going or that, you know, a new maybe musical venture you're taking. So we can do that. And or uh, Ahmad already told us he's been reading uh, on the roof with his uh, Chardonnay in his hand. What are some self-help tactics <laughs> that uh, y'all have, Abril, Jude and Kiara? Um, I'll say for myself, um, I guess just to do both. Uh, I'm I am fully now getting into Freddie Gibbs. Thank you, Jude. Um, oh, fucking boy, right there. That's what I'm <laughs> so, about. Um, uh, yeah, um, Slim Shug himself, uh, and I also just listened to Kehlani's album, which I thought was really good. Um, just really enjoying. Like one of the things I do like to listen to a lot of music, but it always feels like when when the world was as it was, it always felt like I was rushing. I am totally enjoying sitting and listening to a full album because I don't have anything else to do. Uh, so that's been one of my self-help things. Um, Abril, Jude and Kiara, what have you guys been, uh, how, how have you been coping? Um, I have been listening to a lot of the Beyonce Lion King album. <laughs> that's <laughs> perfectly okay. It's, it's really, it really hits. Uh, and <laughs> I, there's just been so, like you said, like, I feel like, it's you can listen to music now and it, you're, you don't have as much distractions as before oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um the new uh janae album was really good and loyal by party next door which is probably mm-hmm. not new and earthquake by tyler the creator like those are the things that i have on rotation right now mm-hmm. period mm. jude oh um yo just on rotation it's just been I'm worried about myself because I just realized also real quick, um, rest in peace to my mother, Marissa Steffes. I love you very much. Yes. But um, ever since she got sick, when she got sick, I was just on this heavy Griselda, as I said, yeah. thing. And um, it's just kind of, I just got pulled into like this like place. And I'm still, I'm just still there and I'm worried I'm just going to be listening to nothing but gangster music this entire time. But I've been enjoying, like, 
those versus battles. There was Erica Badu last night with Joe Scott. Let's Joe talk Scott. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into all that, but I was like, I was, I was, I just like the battles that happened, like uh, Little John and T Pain. Yeah. Um, Teddy Riley was Babyface. That was terrible. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh no. I heard, I heard that was bad though. I heard that there was just all types of like. Technical it, was technical the, it was the first time that it happened. The second time was much better. It was much better because oh, Teddy um, Riley knew what he had to do. At the people, that's good to hear. <laughs> uh, Rizza and Primo, the DJ Premier, and uh, next one is Nelly and Ludacris, which yeah. I find interesting. But um, yeah, I've just been also. I'm also taking taking a part of this uh, ten thousand kettlebell swing challenge for the entire month of May. I'm at like oh nice. I'm at like 2,000 something. I've done zero swings the last couple of days and I'm dying. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I was like binging. I, I was just binging Netflix and I was wilding. So, well, yeah. Funny enough, my dad actually was asking about uh, your kettlebell um, certification the other day because he knows that you're certified with it. So he was like, "Yeah, what's Jude Jude and kettlebells? What's he up to?" You know. And I was like, "I'm not sure if he's going for another thing or or what." So twenty thousand. That's just wow. 10, 10, 10, 10, nigga, 10. Oh, 10, 10, 10. Okay. 20,000 will be next month. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. I did this before and I'm like, how did I do this? I was you wilding. Were, I remember when you did it too. You were, <laughs> you were on something different. I was um, on different. Like, I just put on DMX, go to the gym, and just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you were working through something. Um, Kiara, dear, you can. Uh, lead us out with your self hey, care on. tactics. I, 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 I got more, but but Kiara. Oh, Ahmad, you have more? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, my bad. No, Go ahead. Good. I'm crying. It's okay. <laughs> I got to be the referee like last night, bro. <laughs> I've been listening to the Savage Remix on repeat for a oh, very oh, same. time. <laughs> real quick, real quick. I'm sorry. The, the better version of that song is Carol Baskin. Oh, <laughs> killed her, killed her <laughs> husband. <laughs> I cannot finish that show. I was very uncomfortable watching Tiger King, but um, in other words, I've been like reading too. I've been mm-hmm. trying to like. I haven't. I said that I want to read 20 books in 2020 because I like that idea. So far, mm-hmm. I have one book down, so I got a long way to go. Okay, okay, progress. Yeah, so that's basically what I've been doing and taking oh, walks with my mask and gloves on. But beautiful. Yeah. That's a nice uh, daishiki mask you have there too. I saw it in your graduation yes. photo. Stylish. Okay, Ahmad, sir. Oh, oh God! Oh God! If, if you forgive me, okay. it's all right, sir. You know, I'm a white man. So, um, uh, <laughs> I've been basically bumping albums as well. I um, I had just sent y'all this Chicago R&B artist. His name is Melvin Knight. He's he's fire. I'm not going to lie to you, but mm-hmm. bump that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure y'all would like that if y'all into R&B. But um, I've just been bumping a lot of D'Angelo. Um, I've been... Uh, that like the Voodoo album. Well, actually, all of his albums are fucking fire. Let me not. Um, <laughs> and I've just been my my mom. She bought me the speaker, and I've just been playing. You know, a lot of old school. I've been bumping to Charlie Wilson. I was listening to a lot of Travis Scott. You know, his new single that came out with Kid Cudi it was pretty dope. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say, like, yeah, mostly walks and trying to 
get these calisthenics up. I got these resistance bands for when I work. I got to get myself some of those too. Dude, yeah. they are fire. And you know, I've just been, I've just been, you know, training, still, still, still trying to do my my stuff. I ran into one, one of my students yesterday when I was in Kifu. Mm. And she and I knew her from her eyes. I, I her eyes are very distinctive before in anybody. So I, I looked at her, I said, Matt, and yeah. she was like, How do you know it was me? And I said, Because your eyes. And she was like, She was like, Well, that's weird. And I and I <laughs> but I said, like, Well, you're kind of like an alien, so you know, you kind of stick out, you stand out a little bit, you know. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just love going on walks and I'm trying. To bust these roller skates out and just skate everywhere. That's what I want. Yeah, man. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah, now's the time. The streets are clear. You won't get hit. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have your music recommendations for the week. And that's a wrap for us today. Beloveds, if you want more Uptown Love, you can find our episodes new and old on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. I want to thank all our guests for joining us. I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day around Harlem and around New York and around the States if we have listeners in, like, I don't know, Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. Okay. Yeah, we, we're going international, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll be back um, on May 24th with an episode dedicated to fitness and staying healthy uh, during the uh, COVID era. So um, I know Jude's going to have a lot to say then, Mr. Uh, Kettlebell Swings. <laughs> um, so thanks again for tuning in with us. Thanks for kicking in with us, y'all. Be easy. Peace, everybody. Peace out. Here. Peace out.